Welcome to the Macau Cast, and we have a special guest today, uh, Dr. Dave Schwartz. Dave, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, for those that maybe don't know who you are and what you do, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Dave Schwartz. I'm the director of the Center for Gaming Research at UNLV, and I've written a couple books about the history of gambling. Most excellent. So we have been talking about um, on this show, Macau, and uh, the upcoming trip that um, we are taking to Macau. And so I guess we'd love to talk to you a little bit about some of the business stuff that's happening in Macau. But first off, as part of your job at the Center for Gaming Research, how closely do you track Macau versus other jurisdictions? Is it part of your day-to-day? Not day-to-day. I usually update the numbers when they come out every quarter, and that's about as close as I track it. Okay. Uh, but you are, you know, these companies that are based, uh, some of them based in Las Vegas that have operations in Macau and then the other operators that are maybe not based in Vegas. I mean, the, there's a lot of intersection and little tangled, uh, <laughs> tangled web, but it connects everything together. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, it's such a global industry now that I think any, even things that happen in Macau have a direct impact in Las Vegas and everywhere else. Cool. Um, how, how do you think Macau is doing? Uh, I, you know, there was, uh, the high flying years, uh, a few years back and then, um, maybe a bit of a dip, but h- how are things looking now? The revenues are definitely up in 2018. I think you still aren't going to have that same level that they'd been earlier before 2013. And that crackdown started just because the dynamics are different there now. Yeah. Um, as we roll into... So the cra- obviously the the crackdown that the Chinese national government um, crackdown on how much money people could bring in to Macau and uh, did a lot of uh, they um, you know did a bunch of anti-corruption legislation and it really did impact Macau. As far as uh, looking into 2019, have are, as far as gaming is concerned, have do you hear anybody talking about a Chinese recession? I mean, I know you know we've seen. Other American companies that have big markets in China talk about that a bit. Apple did a guidance change, which was a big deal, uh, and other some other tech companies. And I saw just today Las Vegas Sands um, missed on their quarterlies uh, a little bit. Do you, any, is anybody talking about recession in China and, and gambling stuff? Um, not to me, but it doesn't mean they're not talking about it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that is the case. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, we're sort of just rolling into it, but it'll be interesting to see if that does. um, I think on the uh, third quarter conference call for when Maddox was talking about how um, their, their revenues were down and they, they seem to think that's like an early indicator of, of slowing Chinese economy. So it's interesting that a gaming indicator can be uh, uh, something that, is a leading indicator for the entire economy of China. Yeah, well, I mean, you would presume, right, that people gamble less when... It's, it seems like it's one of the easy things to cut out of your economic diet if uh, if there's less money to go around. Some easier some easier for some than others. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as uh, Chinese-U.S. relations, and not to sort of get too deep into necessarily politics, but it does... Uh, it has been widely covered... Uh, this idea of a trade war between our country and China. Uh, I've seen stories uh, talking about how it may or may not impact uh, some of the American operators. Have you? Is this something that uh, that you've seen or have thought about, Dave, at all? 
I think definitely there's a lot of concern about that. If you look at gaming everywhere, you know, first of all, you have the companies that have exposure in Macau. That's very important. But even the companies that don't, that are just in the U.S., I think that Las Vegas has become so dependent in some ways on the international high rollers, mostly from China, that any trade war, I think, would have a very negative impact on the casino revenues here, as well as, of course, in Macau. Right. Especially interesting that, um, you know, the, the president, the U.S. president has this int- a more direct relationship with casino gambling than <laughs> any in, in our past. Right. I mean, you, you worked yeah. for him. In I did. Yeah. Life. Uh, I guess for I, I take this all for granted because I've known you for so long. Hi, yeah. what, what was your role uh, working for uh, then um, not President Trump? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a while ago. I was first a security officer at the Trump Taj Mahal. Then I went and got my PhD in history, and I came back and I became a surveillance officer for about a year, and then I left to take the job here at UNLV. Yeah, it's uh, it's it must seem like a, a century ago, but um, it, it is funny that you have that connection. Uh, but I do wonder, right, because um, President Trump was cl- obviously in the casino industry himself at one point, uh, and then now in the current landscape, um, you know, Sheldon Adelson is a, is a prominent donor who is, uh, you know, the principal shareholder at Sands and the mm-hmm. CEO. Uh, and then, of course, Steve Wynn, who is no longer with his company, uh, <laughs> what happened to him, um, was a prominent <laughs> figure in uh, the Republican Party uh, as well before he kind of had his fall from grace. So I, I, it makes me wonder if, because of those connections, if the Chinese are going to try and throw an elbow Uh, if they would use the casino industry to do it. It's definitely possible. You know, I think they also may just want to have more Chinese companies involved in Macau. If it's such a lucrative market, it might not make sense for them to say, we have these American companies here, and certainly they've shown what can be done. So that's always a possibility. Yeah. Is it true that, uh, technically speaking, China can seize all the properties that have been built in Macau by LVS and Wynn? I'm not sure about that. The, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Concessions are going to be up for review in a couple of years. So, I mean, that's possible. I guess, you know, might makes right. So, technically, I guess any government could seize anything. They could say it's eminent domain. But would they do that? Would that really have a negative impact on outside investment? You know, probably. So, I think they'd be very hesitant before doing that, just because that could have such a negative consequence for their investment. It's actually, um, the uh, original concession documentation is all online and you can read it. Uh, and they actually do stock talk about this particular case, um, hmm. and it, you you sort of I mean again as you said Dave like <laughs> might makes right and so the rules may not apply in a really terribly sit- a serious situation but uh, I guess the way that it, they can set it up is the hotel sections are you know would stay with the company they're not allowed to offer games with the casino areas are sort of a separate carve out it gets quite technical and complicated but it is interesting to read um, so. You mentioned concessions, and uh, as you said, they are coming up for renewal, and there's sort of a, a staggered process a bit for, for folks that don't know. The concession system is, is kind of interesting. Originally, um, three were tendered, uh, went to Wynn Resorts, um, a consortium between, I think it was Galaxy and Las Vegas Sands, and, mm-hmm. um, and SJM, and 
Galaxy and Sans didn't get along, and so they sort of split their concession in two, and then the government said, well, we did this for them, you other two can sell a sub-concession, and so now we have six. Uh, and that's how we ended up with the number that we've got. It's also kind of funny that the sub-concessions are actually technically illegal. <laughs> like, <they're, laughs> they never revised the law to actually support them. Um, they just kind of did it, which is I find kind of hilarious. Um, so the concessions, you know, expire, I think, between, I don't know, 2020? 2020 and, and twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. And I think they're going to maybe harmonize those a bit so that they come up at the same time. But there's a lot of questions about what that process is going to be like. Um, I guess, and I, I, this is an open question, but I guess Dave, we'll start with you. Can you imagine a world where one of the existing concessionaires doesn't get an, ex uh, I guess it's not even technically a renewal. It's like a new concession, but can you imagine a situation where they don't get to continue operating? You know, I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't know enough about the politics there and, and what's going on. And certainly I don't know what's, what the relationships are between the special administrative region government and the different operators to be able to speculate. But, you know, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. I don't think it's a rubber stamp kind of process. Yeah. There is some speculation out there. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in the investment community, for example, there's a guy named James Chanos, who's a famous short seller. He's short on win and LVS uh, precisely because of these kind of political concerns. Um, you know, I don't know what that means. You know, maybe it's just one voice out there. Uh, but it is curious that there there are some people out there who think you know that that the Americans can can suffer because of this trade war. I, I don't know. I mean, I personally would have would have before the situation between China and the U.S. got a little dodgier in the last year or whatever. Uh, I would have said, oh, these guys are going to they'll figure out some way to to get these extended or renewed, even if that means that they bring in another concessionaire, and so there's maybe a, a Macanese or Chinese company that gets to enter the market. Um, just because, I don't know, it seems like it would have a massive chilling effect to have all of this external investment, billions and billions of dollars, and then have it sort of yanked away, even though it is sort of within the sort of the rules. I mean, these companies built these buildings, I think, with the expectation that they would be there for a while. Um, but yeah, I guess now, who knows? I think there's enough money to go around that I'm not concerned about a deal not getting done. It might be a renegotiation. It might be another, <clears throat> excuse me, it might be another party that gets involved. Um, but at the end of the day, all of these deals come down to money. Right. <laughs> and, and whether whether it be gaming revenue or otherwise, you know, I mean, we see it in the U.S. as well. It's just not quite as... Uh, I guess apparent, but everything comes down to money, and they're making enough of it, so I'm not concerned. It is interesting to see how the process, at least right now, is incredibly opaque, right? I mean, they we know that this is on the horizon. Uh, the gaming companies get asked about it pretty much every quarterly call that they do, uh, and they basically say the same thing: it's like, yeah, we're you know talking to the government, and they will make a decision <laughs> in the time frame that they declare prudent. I mean, they're very careful to. Uh, be careful, uh, but man, it's so much money on the line. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta think that they would love to have a little bit more uh, transparency. And maybe they do. Maybe they know a lot more than they're able or willing to say. But uh, man, it's interesting. I mean, it's really fascinating to me that they're d doubling down in some sense. You know, they're like LVS is going to put what two billion dollars into the Londoner, yeah. and, and and you know, I guess they're trying to make it seem like, hey, we're we're here. We're wanting to invest. Uh, we want to make 
things that are more appealing to the common folk and diversify our revenue streams here like you like you prescribed for us and we're playing ball so you know hopefully give us that concession renewal or, or i'm sorry the new yeah founder, as right it were. I, yeah. I keep saying renewal even though that's technically not accurate yeah. um yeah, it is interesting, and you can definitely tell that they are trying to uh, jockey for that position by, you know, as you said, uh, doing non-gaming amenities and other stuff that they think will make them look good in the eyes of the regulators. Um, as far as new entrants, I mean, or maybe not even, I mean, well, you look at you look at how this might shake out. It's hard for me to imagine another American company entering that market, and I'm thinking about Caesars, right? They really, yeah. they really screwed up here, right? I mean, <laughs> so Dave, is this the biggest? mistake a casino company's ever made and <laughs> I mean it's kind of it's got to be up there. And it's hard to say whether it's a mistake or whether they just didn't you know couldn't get into the market. You know, if you try really hard to win the race and someone else is faster than you, it's not really a mistake. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think all things being equal, they wish they had a Macau concession. That would I think made their life a lot easier. Failing that, a Singapore concession would have been really good. So I think not being in either of those two markets does hurt the company. They have a sweet golf course. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually uh, maybe a, a good segue um, to talk about some of the regional stuff, right? So Macau is clearly the, the whale in terms of gaming revenue, but Japan has been in the news quite a bit as far as um, new, a new place for an integrated resort and you know the American companies, of course, want in on that too. How do you, as you are studying this stuff, Dave? How do you think about what's going on in Japan? I think it's going to be a very deliberate process. I don't think it's going to be quick. And I think the good news for companies is that gives them a long time to sort of get investors excited about the possibility and tout that as something that's happening. So I think it'll be a, a long time before we actually get the rollout, just because they're going to try to get this right the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you guys? Do any of you guys know? I haven't been following Japan closely enough to know the answer to this. Are if American companies want to do a resort there, can they do it on their own? Do they need a local partner? Have they set up rules about that stuff? I think they need a local partner. Uh, I think this is why, for example, uh, MGM has set up offices in in I think Osaka and, and Tokyo. And uh, yeah, they're they're they always talk about yes, with our Japanese partners, we're going to be you know setting up an integrated resort eventually. I mean, you know, they don't have it set in stone yet, but they're definitely uh, jockeying for position. And you see these pictures of Mirren and you know Kimono. Right, I did see that. Trying to yeah, so you know, it's 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 interesting how how they're uh, you know trying to try to get in there, and it's it's the next big market and. I don't really know how much of a threat it will be to, to Macau, to be honest. I mean, you're going to have, what, three or four standalone integrated resorts out there in different cities. So you won't really have that kind of clustering effect that Macau and Las Vegas, for example, enjoy. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it sounds like all the companies are pretty excited about the prospect. I mean, I guess well, I was reading something that was suggesting it, the market could be anywhere between two to five times the size of... Um, of Singapore, which for the the companies that are there, you know, it's been a cash cow. So, yeah. At the same time, I, I having been to Singapore and, and been to um, Marina Bay Sands, I I, I kind of do wonder how interesting those buildings mm. will be. I mean, just from a visitor standpoint, uh, if if they are just like these standalone islands, I, I don't, I really don't think they're going to be all that fascinating. Um, but yes, they will make big money for those companies. So uh, from their standpoint, they don't care. <laughs> so 
one of the companies that is active in Macau um, has a obviously a significant presence in Las Vegas, and I'm sure would love to get it on Japan as well as as Win Resorts. And you know, we t- we touched on this briefly, but in February of last year, Steve Wynn, founder, CEO, chairman, uh, was effectively forced out of the company. Um, and so there's been quite a bit of change there. What I, one of the things that I thought was interesting was prior to when uh, leaving, they had announced uh, several projects, right? A new resort in Las Vegas across the street um, and then significant spending around their golf course complex. And it seems like that has kind of all been shifted around now. Um, their new CEO, Matt Maddox, was talking about putting a, putting a bunch of money into Macau instead and really slowing down those Vegas projects. Um, Dave, what's your take on wind resorts these days? I mean, that's obviously a pretty big question, but there's been so much change there. Is it a, a company on a different trajectory? It is. You know, definitely anytime you take someone like Steve Wynn out of the equation, it's going to change a lot. You know, I think he just has such a vision and, you know, the way he has run that company, everything from the financial side to the creative side, I think is just so overwhelming that without him there, there's going to be a little bit of a change in focus. I think a lot of it comes down to, are you going to follow the numbers or are you going to follow your projection of where the numbers are going? Where every dollar invested in Macau is going to return how much money to the company versus every dollar invested in Las Vegas. I think also a wise leader will look at a lot of the factors we've already talked about, like stability. You know, what are the chances that something weird could happen in Macau versus the chances that there would be a disruption in the Vegas market? I think those are really important factors to look at when they're looking at how they're going to be investing. Yeah, that's excellent points. Um, As far as the wind stuff, uh, so they've got you know a new a new chairman uh, who has a long history in the uh, in the gaming industry. Um, I always mispronounce Mister Satry Satry's last name. I always get it. I'm always like it's one of those names I read. I'm like ugh. Wait, no, someone else say it first so I can copy them. Um, anyway, it's also interesting to see him in the company uh, running thing, or he's the chairman of the board, so running the board um, as well. Uh, but it'll, I'd be very curious to see how things go. The projects that they've talked about for Macau sound interesting. I mean, Wind Palace, uh, Han, you can tell me if you agree or disagree. I mean, Wind Palace is a very beautiful property. Uh, it's very luxurious. It sort of stands a little bit off by itself in relation to the other stuff on Kotai. Not that it's hard to get to or anything, but it's a little bit isolated in terms of foot traffic. And there's definitely, I think it'll definitely be greatly enhanced by whatever they're going to build sort of next to it and integrated with it. Yeah, I think it's just uh, they're just waiting for the Grand Lisboa Palace to be built also. And and they were happy that MGM Kotai was finally uh, brought online. So they're just waiting for the neighborhood to come alive, and then I guess the uh, what's the transportation network that's supposed to go all around there and connect uh, visitors from the ferry terminal or or maybe the bridge to to come by. So they'll they'll have a flow of people coming in there as soon as everything gets done, but they're still probably a couple years away. Um, and as for the actual uh, addition to the building, I mean, I think years ago there used to be something called the Wind Diamond. Yeah. I don't know if if that. If that is still what they're going to call it, maybe something else. It seemed like a little bit more modest in what they're going to actually build, but they're they're building up more capacity. I guess Kotai is doing well, and uh, they want to capitalize on it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting. Wynn hasn't reported their quarterlies yet. I think they go next week. Um, but, you know, Sands just did theirs today, as I was saying. And even though they were off their uh, what they were guiding towards, um, they, you know, released a bunch of stuff along with their uh, call. And, 
you know, the Kotai looks like it's doing well. I mean, they're adding more rooms. They, they're projecting that by 2020, there's going to be, I think, 25,000 rooms, and Sands is going to have almost half of those. I mean, so, you know, Kotai seems like it's it's doing well for them based on the numbers that they put out, and and Sands especially, I mean, Win also, but Sands too, I mean, they're really investing quite a bit of money in, in Macau, so uh, they seem pretty bullish on it. Can I ask uh, any one of you if do you know what Roger Thomas is up to these days? Like, like what's his involvement in these projects? I, you know, you don't really hear him about him or his efforts uh, as much these days. Maybe because there's not there hasn't really been a l- new launch yet. Although I guess Encore uh, in Boston is going to come yeah. online soon. So, you know, I don't know. I, I just haven't heard for his voice anywhere on on the net or on the news or any. Uh, Dave, I don't know, uh, or or Eric, either one of you guys, if if you have heard anything specific, I've heard uh, some some rumblings. Um, m- most specifically, and this is should be treated as rumor because it's definitely not uh, like verified fact, but that um, when the change of control took place at the company, uh, there was an effort made to um, lock down uh, some of those key executives with some longer term contracts and incentives to keep them in place. Uh, my impression. I got from talking to this person was that um, the new CEO uh, believes that those guys are uh, Roger Thomas and his uh, counterpart in the architecture department, Roger Butler, are really important, and to keep them on for a while is especially important for continuity. So I got the impression that he's going to be there for a while, and he was incented to remain. Um, and I, I've heard him on a couple of interviews recently talking about projects and. He hasn't talked at all about the company uh, and what happened with Steve, uh, which doesn't surprise me because Rogers seems like a very discreet person. But um, he's and a very loyal yeah, person. Uh, but he sounded really excited about the stuff they were doing. I mean, he, yeah. as much as he was willing to talk about it in the couple of interviews that I've seen. So I expect he will remain for at least for a bit. He tried to retire once and got sucked back in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. We've, I know we're, t- we're uh, a little limited on time, and there's a bunch of different ways we could take this conversation with you, Dave. But uh, I want to make sure that, A, these guys have an opportunity to um, bang any questions uh, that they may have, that I'm not hogging the mic like I always do. Uh, but also to talk about you know the stuff that, as far as Macau goes especially, but gaming in general. I mean, the folks that are listening to this podcast are super nerds. Um, so... You know, the stuff in Macau that you find especially interesting or even just in the general industry, what the kind of the trends that you see uh, and how things are going and, you know, what what you're what you're tracking. I think what's interesting is how people in the industry are trying to adjust to shifting tastes. You know, if you look at Vegas, you can see this. There's all that concern about the millennials, which I think is maybe passing a little bit, but there's still this concern about how you're going to come up with ways to gamble that will make sense to people in a digital age. So I think that's probably my the most interesting thing that I'm thinking about. As did you? I, I presume that you spent some time at at the most recent. I guess it's not recent anymore, but the last <laughs> G2E that uh, last fall. Um, are, how are they addressing that in particular? I mean, the millennial thing, I think, is especially interesting because I've heard this for a while. You know, uh, casino folks worried that uh, people in this age bracket just don't play the same way that their parents and grandparents had, and needing a new playbook to get these people interested. What What are the casinos folks doing? 
yeah, I think they're kind of going around and around with that, and nobody can really agree. Do you try to cater to them and then run off all your best players? Then there's the whole debate about, well, yeah, but for the past 20 years, the average slot player has been a 55-year-old woman, so we don't have to worry because someday they'll be 55-year-old women. So it's sort of, it's a really difficult thing. I don't think that anybody's found the definitive answer yet. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see. That doesn't seem to be an issue in Macau, or actually maybe I shouldn't say that. Actually, I don't really know what the age spread is for play in Macau, other than it clearly is a big market. Uh, I, for all I know, it could be playing out exactly the same way. Need some stats. Yeah. <clears throat> um, good, luck get, good luck getting it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because they, they do break down some stuff. I, uh, <laughs> I tried at one point to, to get additional information from the government there about certain things. Like in Vegas, you know, you can get a lot of information either from gaming officials, regulators, or you know, local city and state or city and county governments, so especially when it comes to like building projects and whatnot. Um, in Macau, I was like, "Hey, how do I get like the the per the permits for this stuff?" And they, they sent me back a note saying, "Like, yeah, we don't we don't share that with you. So go away, <laughs> go away." <laughs> but uh, hey, I tried. Um, so in the last couple minutes that we have, is there anything else that you guys, I mean, Eric and Han, want to touch on with Dave? Yeah, I've got a question, um, and, and this is coming from a place of ignorance. I've never been to Macau. I never thought I would go to Macau. My thought always was, if all of these uh, Chinese whales come to Vegas, you know, if you're going to fly all the way around the world and Macau is right there, you know, why? And I guess the the question that I'm asking is, in my experience, the high rollers that I've encountered, specifically Chinese, they're not at the club, they're not out drinking, they are there to gamble. So what is it that Las Vegas has that's drawing them when they have Macau right next door? Well, for the companies, there's a really big incentive because the tax rate in Las Vegas is significantly less than the tax rate in Macau. It's about 7% versus 39%, so they've got a pretty good incentive right there. I think you look at what draws them, it's that level of service that they can get. You know, you're right that they're not looking to go to the club, they're not looking for stuff like that, they want to gamble. And if they can get a better credit line and get whatever else they want in Las Vegas, they'll go to Las Vegas, I think. Good. Okay. Thank you. That's an mm-hmm. interesting question um, because, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, definitely a, a shorter flight. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I wonder. It'd be interesting to look at the kind of incentives that the, com- that the folks, the companies give to these super high rollers. Hey, you know, you're a big player here. If you come over here, we'll give you X times more because they have that extra margin to play with as it relates to the, the difference in tax rate. Now, is it true that the Bakra numbers are down recently, and so that, again, is an indicator that the Chinese economy may be slowing down? Well, in Vegas, they've been down since 2013, and they've sort of been back and forth since then. So, and I, they haven't released the January, the December numbers yet, so I don't have my final 2018 number. But yeah, they've been kind of been up and down for a while during the recession. It was really increasing. It was like 20% of strip gaming revenue. It was huge. Now it's sort of come down a little bit more. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see. Um, Dave, uh, I know you're working on a new project independent of your work at the Center for Gaming Research. Are you? Is that something you, you announced it on Twitter, so I'm assuming it's yeah. okay to talk about it. Um, can you t- tell folks what that is and uh, tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I'm writing a book about the Sands Hotel. 
you know, the one that closed in 1996. So, right, you know, obviously it's really good current current events right there. <laughs> but I found it really interesting. I was thinking, you know, I wanted to do a book that was kind of like Grandissimo, but obviously not Grandissimo because I already did that one. And I was trying to think, well, do, do I want to do another biography? And I wanted to do something different. And I said... You know, the Sands, when you look at classic Las Vegas, a lot of it just keeps coming back to the Sands. And I think there's a story there. So I'm pretty doing pretty well. I'm into the chapter four now. So it's it's coming along really well. There's just so much stuff. Is there a, a central character? Like in Grandissimo is Dave's book about uh, Jay Sarno and the creation of Caesar's Palace and later Circus Circus. Um, is there a central character like Sarno in the Sands story? I'm somewhat ignorant. There's a couple people, you know, you've got Jack and Trotter who started out as a bouncer in a nightclub and then rose his way to become co-owner of the Copacabana in New York and then came out to have a piece of the Sands and be the entertainment director. You've got Jakey Friedman, who was an immigrant who at one point was basically selling bananas in the street and then by the time by 1940 is owning this really super exclusive private casino in Houston that only the richest of the rich people could like the 1% of the 1% could get into. You've got him, you've got Carl Cohen, who everybody I've talked to said was the greatest casino manager in the history of Las Vegas. Then later on, you've got Howard Hughes. Uh, you've got the Pratt brothers who owned Inns of America, who bought it later on. Kirk Corian steps in and owns it for a couple months. Then you have Sheldon Adelson. So I think there's a lot of really interesting characters. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, and that ties us right back to Macau because Sheldon Adelson yeah. is now uh, at Las Vegas Sands. Well, um, Dave, I'm excited for your book. Uh, for folks that have not read Grandissimo, I would definitely recommend that as well. Um, super fun book. A couple years old now, I guess, at this point, but uh, uh-huh. a great read. And then the other thing I've read from you recently was your Tales from the Slot Floor, which was something you put together of uh, folks that worked in various uh, positions in the in slot departments over the years. And there's just some really interesting stories in there. Uh, if folks are you know casino nerds and are interested in that stuff, there's some really interesting stories in there about operations. And you learn a lot about how these places work, if that's your jam. So I'd recommend that as well. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Hey, um, hey Dave, can I ask one question? Yeah, yeah, please, sure. Erica. So, 18 Fremont has been announced to be named Circa Las Vegas. <laughs> Some of us were hoping it would be named Grandissimo. Uh, any thoughts on that? I love the name Circa. I think it's really good. I love the whole design. I think they really nailed it. I think it's going to be awesome. I love that that Derek has such an appreciation for the history. Um, we so I went to the big premiere thing, which I don't usually do that kind of thing, but I did because I was really curious about this. And he said to to a Jay Sarno's kids, like, well, you know, you may see the Grandismo name involved at some point, so it may be in there somewhere. I don't know. Very cool. But either, I could understand why you wouldn't, because I was thinking about it. You have MGM Grand, Downtown Grand, possibly Grand Sahara Resort. And I think something else with Grand in the, in the title might be, a little, might be a little bit of a grand overdose, maybe, for Vegas. <laughs> All right. Very, Very cool. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Dave, thank you so much. I know you got to run. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us for a bit about this stuff um, as uh, the, uh, the the real expert among, amongst <laughs> us. So thank you for doing it. 
Oh, thank you. It's always great. I guess as far as some of the other the other topics, uh, one of the things is since we're sort of still on this on this biz related spin, there's a couple other things in, in, that were on the list that we didn't get to. <laughs> I, I don't want to poke the bear with this one, but there's one that's in here that's interesting, and I think Han, you must have added this. The question is, how will you explain Trump to Macanese locals who ask about his presidency? And I don't think this is a a, a question unique to Macau. Um, you know, I, I guess with any U.S. president that, uh, well, I guess that is popular, unpopular, whatever the circumstances may be, um, you know, people ask about that. I, I was on my honeymoon in 2004 when George W. Bush was president and we were uh, at war in Iraq and I got a lot of questions from folks traveling there. So I guess that's a normal thing. <laughs> you had a note in here. Do you dodge the question by saying you were from elsewhere? You know what I thought was interesting because I was in Macau in 16 and 17. I didn't get a single question about uh, at in 16. It was June, so it was you know uh, uh, all heading into the uh, the nominating conventions, um, and then in 17 it was uh, right before inauguration day. Um, I didn't get a single question from anybody there about um, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or anybody. They just didn't care. <laughs> Yeah, they they might not care now. Even I don't know. Uh, when I was there in early eighteen, uh, no one asked. But I was only there for like twenty four hours. Uh, when I was in the Middle East, however, I got constantly asked about Trump. Yeah, they were like, well, "What do you think of Trump? Uh, you know, you know, is he a, is he good for your country?" Like I I I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I uh, people who know my political inclinations uh, will will know my answer, but. But um, that said, like um, you, you have in the notes that we shouldn't say we're Canadian because that that could that could be a, a minefield. Right well, now I, well, I put that in there because um, the the there's a Chinese company called Huawei. They're a telecommunications technology company, um, very prominent firm in China. Uh, their CFO was arrested in Canada. Um, you know, the, everyone believes at the behest of the United States. Um, the, the whole the reasoning is complicated, and I won't really go into it, but. Because of that, or well, it's very hard to, to do cause and effect, especially when it comes to China, because we don't know half of what's going on. But um, they, there have been some Canadians that have been uh, detained in China. So yes, as far as saying you're from elsewhere, you probably don't want to say you're Canadian. Yeah, well, I mean, easy, easy for me. I, I could just say I'm Korean and, and just leave it at that. <laughs> but, but I, you know, you guys are uh, might stick out more. Uh, well, in this scene. is easy for me. I will not dodge the question. I'm happy to talk to anybody about uh, where I'm from, uh, and if they, I'm happy to share my opinions if they want to hear them. But I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see if anybody asks. If, if it's like last time, they they don't seem to care. I kind of assumed it won't. But. Uh, what do I know, right? But I kind of assume it won't be a, a big deal just based upon the uh, geographical difference. You know, uh, in Mexico and in Canada, I would get questions like that. In Western Europe, I would get questions like that. Once you get past Western Europe, I don't know that we would scream American. We would just scream different. Yeah. That's probably true. It, it, the interesting thing about Macau that I experienced, at least, um, you know, I'm blonde hair, blue eyed, so I'm definitely not blending in as a local. Um, and so I did get people, you know, you definitely get like double takes. People would look at you funny. Um, 
I'm not funny. That sounds pejorative, but I, they would just, they would, you stood out a little bit in terms of you're clearly not from here. And if you look at the stats, I don't know what the percentages of, um, of folks that come from the U S it's really small. And there's some that come from Australia and I guess I could pass this on Australian except for my sweet accent. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's interesting to see that especially funny, you know, traveling, um, uh, with Chuck who at the time, you know, big, you know, crazy beard and whatnot and so he, he definitely stood out as well maybe like you know game of thrones character type thing but um i, I mean that you know <laughs> but so we may we maybe we maybe stood out a, a little bit more us together than uh than i would have on my own who knows but uh, it's interesting well it's funny you mentioned australian because uh, i did want to talk about james packer you know i i, I mean did, this guy had like a very bad spate of of luck, right? I mean, he 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 timed everything so poorly, and I, like I just kind of wonder when people look back on this time, uh, and I I don't know where Pack will end up. I mean, he's a billionaire, and I'm sure he'll be fine. But but uh, in terms of his business acumen and and his reputation, it just seemed to have suffered um, not only in Macau but also in. In Vegas, with uh, the Alan project uh, folding, and then that land being sold to, uh, I guess, it's kind of nemesis in a sense. Uh, the the wind folks, uh, I think they bought it from like pennies on the dollar. I don't know. Just... His story is is tough, man. I mean, so for folks that don't know, um, his father, Australian, I think, publishing magnate. He made a ton of money in um, newspapers and stuff, and. Um, you know, he's now dead, but his son has took, taken over these projects, and they've diversified into resorts and casinos and stuff in Australia. And uh, his company Crown was his was his partner in a bunch of Macau stuff, right? So Melco was a partnership, um, and Crown had a hotel there as part of City of Dreams, and so they were deeply enmeshed. And Altira was a was originally the Crown property, um, <clears throat> and it sounds like you know. He went through a bunch of personal problems. I mean, I think it's been widely reported, you know, fighting, having to deal with some alcoholism and maybe some uh, mental health issues or whatever. I mean, it really sounds like he was in a tough spot personally. Um, and yeah, he really got, in terms of getting out of these deals, he spun out a lot of these deals that like, seems like the worst possible time, at least financially. Yeah, and no, I, I, I remember just seeing that crown um, icon everywhere in Macau, and and by the time I got there last year, uh, early 2018, most of that was stripped away, and it's like uh, he was never there. Um, but uh, he, I think his his folks were accused of uh, some malfeasance on the mainland, trying to lure Chinese gamblers, and they got into trouble. And then he just decided, like, I'm screw it, I'm going to get out of the whole thing, and. Uh, and then the market rose uh, when he did that. And then uh, again in Vegas, he he sold that land uh, for Elon, and uh, he's never been able to get into the Vegas market. I know he's wanted to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, and then his thing with Mariah Carey uh, went south. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's like a it's an interesting s- story. Uh, I kind of wonder if someone like Dr. Dave could do a a, a story about him. I think that could be interesting uh, later on. Um, but um, I, I wish that more operators uh, like him were in in Macau. Like that, it wasn't just uh, Americans and Chinese. I, I just kind of think more a diversified view on how to operate a casino could could be interesting. And I and I was really looking forward to how he would have done in in the U.S. in the in the Las Vegas market. But well, now we'll never know. 
Yeah, well, at least we don't know for at least not in the foreseeable future, I guess. Yeah, I mean it. It is too bad. My only experience with Crown's product was visiting in Macau, um, but I was super impressed. Right, so uh, Altira, which used to be the Crown Hotel, very nice place. We talked about it a bit on the past on this show, um, but then the Crown Hotel that's part of City of Dreams, uh, and I forget what it's called now. I'm sure you remember, Han. It's like Nua. Or right, the unpronounceable yeah. symbols and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was super nice. I mean, it was like incredibly over the top. You know, I think they would say it was what, seven stars or whatever. I mean, I don't know about all that, but it was super nice. Very impressive uh, in terms of the decor, the architecture, and the service. I didn't stay there, but um, I got to witness uh, rooms from others. I don't know. It's too bad. It seems like they really have, were playing an A game and to not have them there and not have them in other markets. I was excited about the Vegas project. I know some other folks sort of panned the idea. I got an opportunity to go visit their office uh, when the project was still on and, and got essentially like a briefing from the CEO, not not Packer, but um, the Elon CEO uh, about the, what they were going to do. And it was, I thought, exciting. Um, and of course, that completely fizzled and imploded. So. Was that the guy who was at your visit uh, event? <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, the, I, the, so the tour we did was with Andrew Pascal, who was yeah. former. Yeah. So he, yes, he did do an interview with us, and that interview was kind of frustrating because um, he just like couldn't talk about anything. <laughs> he was still in like full <laughs> okay. secrecy mode. So I guess it was a pro yeah. tip for me is don't try to interview someone that like their product is a secret uh, <laughs> because you're not going to have a very good interview. Um, but yeah, it's too bad it fizzled. Was he the guy that created My Vegas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's got a really interesting career. He's mm-hmm. Elaine Wynn's uh, uh, nephew and mm-hmm. um, worked his way up through Mirage Resorts and then Wynn Resorts, uh, left to go do Silicon Valley startup stuff, um, play studios and uh, what is the My Vegas stuff, and then came back to run when an encore and was president there for a while. Uh, and then went off to do his own thing, and uh, you know I'm not sure what he's going to do next. But he's uh, I've I've been able to talk to him a few times one on one. He's a super smart guy, and I'm sure that he will do something interesting. Good, interesting. I I, I had the feeling that Alan or Alan yeah, I don't know how either. to pronounce it, uh, it <laughs> that it was going to try to out out win win. Yeah. But you know it's just well again we'll never know. Um, uh, I I'm. Kind of curious, like I have in these notes here, where um, we cover this a little bit with Doctor Dave, but you know, you you were the one who had this undo, undo, undo yeah. stuff in Vegas for when, <laughs> uh, for when, and I I do I recall a exchange on Twitter where um, uh, is it Detroit? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> our friend Detroit, he 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 was saying it doesn't matter if Steve wins has gone. Or he was saying it does matter that Steve Wynn's gone, and you were saying it doesn't matter to, as much. Uh, and I and I, and I kind of wondered uh, if you want to sure. elaborate on that, because I, I I wanted to understand the 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 discussion a little further. Uh, so yeah, of course. Um, well, I do think it matters. Uh, you know, Steve Wynn uh, made huge contributions over forty plus years in the industry, and uh, I you know the Las Vegas Strip and other places would look very different without him. But that said. I don't totally subscribe to the sort of great man theory of companies. Like this work is done by many, many smart people. One of the best things a vibrant leader can do is hire incredible people that work with them. 
Um, and there's quite a few of them at Wynn Resorts, especially. And so I don't believe that just, you know, one guy leaving, uh, in this case, means that the company is doomed. And I don't, I shouldn't, I, I don't think that's necessarily what Peter Detroit said. Um, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but uh, I think that they still have a very bright future in front of them, right? They've got a, a culture uh, of service excellence, um, a very strong design and development culture around their, around their properties, which I think has been a big part of their success. And they are in the most important gaming market in the world with Macau. Um, and maybe they'll get some, to do something in Japan, maybe not, but uh, they're going to hopefully open up in Boston. I mean, I guess... It's still possible that that could go sideways, but they, I think they're still well positioned to do really well. And so the, while Steve Wynn is gone, um, he wasn't going to be there forever. You know, eventually he would retire, uh, in, even if what happened didn't happen. And so, um, you know, I think that they will, that they'll probably be okay. I, I think highly of Matt Maddox, who's the, the current CEO. I've been sort of paying attention to him for a while since he came over. I think he was at Caesars before he was at Wynn. Um, but he's been there for quite a while in a bunch of different roles. And he's really, really smart uh, and has done really well so far uh, in terms of his climbing up the ladder. This, this year, since he's taken over, it's been tough for them. At least, you know, the stock has been kind of all over the place if that's one of the primary the primary me metrics we're measuring him by which is tough but it the company's been in such turmoil i don't know if that's completely fair um but yeah i i think when will be okay the company do you think that uh he has uh elaine's blessing mm. and he, you know, hard to read those tea leaves right um yeah, I, yeah. I don't know i think uh Clearly, she has exerted a, a fair amount of influence since um, Steve left the company, virtually remaking the board, uh, and now, you know, essentially picked the chair, the chairman that she wanted, as far as we can tell. Um, so he's still there. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't have any inside information on that whatsoever. So I'm, I can only speculate. Uh, he's still in his. He still has his job, um, and. Uh, you know, he seemed to, when he came into the job, he seemed to want to very quickly, like, settle all family business. <laughs> I mean, he's he settled the Okada thing. Um, he's, he got a big investment from Galaxy. Uh, he, you know, he settled a bunch of other litigation. Like, he tried to kind of, some of this stuff that, who knows, uh, again, no inside info, so I'm, I'm projecting slash speculating. But maybe some of this stuff where Steve's ego made it hard to make some of these deals. He was like, I don't care. I'm going to do all this stuff. And he seemed like he wanted to come in and try and settle some of that stuff right out of the gate and uh, and was able to do get some of that stuff done. So I, I guess we'll see uh, how, how it goes. But uh, I think the company's in, in, in good shape. We've got a lot of really smart people working there. Yeah, on the conference calls, he sounds really intelligent, uh, sharp. I mean, he's not as entertaining as the, as the Steve, but no one really is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm curious how, how uh, things will unfold in the coming years. Uh, I did have a question for Eric. Like, uh, like, how much of this business stuff uh, affects your your enjoyment of of, of casinos? Like, do you, how much do you follow of it? Do you do you, do, you, do you like it? I mean, I'm I'm obviously nerding out here. I like I follow it, it as an investor. I don't follow ah. it. So, I mean, I'm I'm familiar, um, but I kind of separate the two. So ah. I I don't invest in the. Um, family, the company uh, that I give most of my action to. 
Uh, um, but I, I do invest in the sector, so it is important for me to follow. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of separate the two, just like if I were investing in movie theaters, I don't think I would necessarily go to the movie theater that I hold stock in. Okay. Right. Although you could think of that as a hedge. Oh, right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I can't I can't move the needle that much. So okay. it's uh yeah, I think uh I, I think that would be uh interesting if, if you could give sufficient action that that would actually be a hedge. Um but no, that's uh that's not the case. I do think it's interesting though, in terms of the wind resorts <clears throat> excuse me, wind resorts investment, um, where they're putting their money. I mean, we talked about this with Dave, but you know, they were planning a, a what, two, three billion dollar resort across the street in Las Vegas. They were planning the umbilical hallway. The umbilical hallway. <laughs> yeah. um, they were planning a mass you know, hotels on the lake that they were gonna build and mm-hmm. all that stuff got effectively cancelled. Um, you know, or at least deferred, right? I mean they bought the land across the street. I'm sure they'll build the build there eventually, and maybe the golf course eventually too. But I mean, they got to the point where they were bulldozing the golf course, and they're now they're rebuilding it. So it's amazing to see. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting to see such a, a significant sort of turnaround there in terms of their priorities. I mean, I really do wonder what Vegas would have been like had that paradise park is that what it was called I, if, if that had come to to uh life because uh, you know steve tends to lead lead the market in yeah. many ways and a lot of people copy him so you know i don't know uh, again these are uh future um futures that we'll never know steve had some really bad ideas too i mean like i i think honestly i think his original conception of paradise park would have been bad and by that i specifically mean like open to the public and like this crazy carnival thing he was going to build. I just think it would have devalued the guest experience too much and turned it into, mm. you know, just a crowded, gross. <laughs> you don't want gorillas up and down the strip? No, I don't. That, that's, that's not. <laughs> well, I, that was, yeah, I mean, that's part of his shtick, right? He wanted to put the King Kong on the, the, I just sounded kind of crazy. Um, and it, I, I'm not sure that it would have been a success. And, and so I'm not, while I agree it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened there uh, if it if they did build it in the way it was originally pitched I I was pretty skeptical so is it possible that you know all the other stuff aside you know maybe uncle steve was losing it a little bit i guess anything's and, possible right and everybody was saying yes because of who he was but like i'm i'm really not shocked that you know, it's been basically a 180, right? I mean, in his, uh, I can't remember when exactly this was. Was it the end of the Mirage Resorts era? I'm trying to remember, but there was one point where he had he wanted to write and produce a Broadway musical that would be like a Broadway style musical that would be like exclusive to like I think it was I think it was set for the Mirage or something. I mean, he had this whole idea where he was like singing the songs and I mean, it's that kind of stuff where I'm just like, dude, really? Like I, that that makes me question, you know, what he's so obviously brilliant in many ways, but uh, he he definitely had some weird out there ideas sometimes. Yeah, can't win them all, right? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, he'll be fine. Uh, some some has, have wondered if he will break back into the gaming industry. I personally doubt it quite a bit. I think we've probably seen the last of him in a in that role. But uh. I mean, he he can't possibly come to the United States and work anywhere. But I I do wonder like 
like uh, Gordon Gecko in Wall Street 2. <laughs> he goes overseas, overseas and somehow make, makes a big splash in some other jurisdiction. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe just his reputation is too uh, muddied now that he can't be an operator anywhere. Um, where? Which, which, which I guess he deserves. Where would you know, he go? What he did. I, I don't know. I, it seems like maybe he could go to... Uh, Vietnam. <laughs> uh, what's going on with Vietnam? I don't know anything about what they're doing there. You have a note in here about Vietnam. Do you? Did you read that article? Yeah, yeah. I read. I read some stuff. But you, you had pointed out that uh, one of the possible new entries into uh, Macau would be uh, the Sun City um, people, and they they provide. They're a junket, right? That provides a lot of the big players to Macau anyway already. But uh, they want to be an operator themselves, and so they, they have started to build a huge casino uh, called Hawaiiana. I can't pronounce it, in, in Vietnam. And apparently there's, a, there's um, some experiments in the north and south uh, parts of Vietnam where they're opening some casinos where they're trying to allow like, locals to, to come to. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It could be the next big thing you know they have a lot of land there and and uh it's cheaper to gamble there uh and it's not too far from china so they could lure gamblers uh, over there but but you know i don't know like it's it's still a long ways from competing with macau macau definitely has that first mover advantage yeah um i didn't even know that gambling was legal in in vietnam so uh i'm clearly not up to speed on what's going on over there but that's interesting for sure yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 interesting in Asia. Like, there's a lot of opportunities to mix gambling and vacation, and uh, I'm certainly interested in like visiting my homeland, Korea, and and seeing the casinos there. And and when Japan gets gets that stuff going, I'll I'll probably check out one of those as well. Um, and and I'm and on this trip itself, I'm I'm gonna be going to uh, the Philippines before I I come to Macau and, and Singapore also, but. But honestly, I the kind of um, clustering of, of casinos that happens in Vegas and Macau, that doesn't really happen t- too much elsewhere and not to the degree of success that both of those places have enjoyed. So, you know, those are very special places. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you could just recreate that anywhere. You know? Tell me, for you guys, how that's maybe think of something. How big of a deal is that particular um aspect for you the fact that in both las vegas and in macau and atlantic city um there's a bunch of casinos like clustered together right next to each other and you can sort of cruise between them and have different experiences i mean for me that's a a really big draw right and that's one of the reasons that i'm not very excited about going to my local tribal casino ever um (laughs) because it's just sort of off by its lonesome and it's and not all that interesting i find the the cluster aspect to actually be a compelling one of the compelling reasons to to visit i think it helps but it's not necessary um there are places that i go that are you know individual by itself um and the gaming or some other option is good enough that i'm not going to leave that property so it's fine um but i think it's I think it's different if you're looking for um, specific gaming opportunities or a comp hustle versus just a vacation trip where really drinking and, you know, um, I guess getting around town is more important. I guess there's two things we could hit uh, before we go. One is, and I don't know if we have anything, um, but have we, I don't know if we've checked in on 
travel plans recently um, for and uh, Han, have you, and again, I don't know how much you want to talk about this. We can cut this out if not. But um, have you changed or added to your your list of places since we last discussed it? I've lost track. Uh, I've lost track too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have finalized my plans though. Um, I I'm gonna. I I think I shared this already, but uh, the first night when I get there on the 11th, I'll actually get there on the morning of the 12th because I'm flying in so late into Hong Kong. Uh, I'm just going to stay at the Rio. It's it's this like local joint on the pen- peninsula, and it's very different from the Rio in Vegas. But but it's it's supposed to be nice. I I, I looked at the TripAdvisor reviews and many other reviews. And I've tried to ask Lino. He hasn't said anything back to me, so I, I'm assuming no news is good news. Um, and then I'm going to meet you and Megan, uh, somewhere on the peninsula for, for lunch. Um, I think we're going to hit the, uh, what was it? Uh, the, <laughs> I can't remember now. Um, Robochon restaurant. Yeah. yeah. So excited yeah. about that. And then, uh, then I'm going to switch over to Kotai and stay at the MGM Kotai and then switch back to the peninsula and stay at MGM Macau. And then switch back to Kotai again, and then finally my two nights will be in the uh, City of Dreams complex. One night at Morpheus, and one night at um, the Countdown. And then I'm I, I leave. I head to Hong Kong, and I'm gonna do a food tour that afternoon in Hong Kong, and then catch my flight late uh, that Saturday, and I'm out. So back to the U.S. Uh, heading to Taiwan. Uh, okay. And spending a couple hours there, like a little quick quick layover and then then back home are you going to taiwan just to see the airport be honest no 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 i (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna go to din taifung and hang out i don't know but it's eight hours so who knows if i'm if i'm spent i I might just end up staying in the airport we'll see we'll just play it by ear eric are you again i've i feel like i've completely lost track of where we are with this are you all settled with your travel planning at this point i don't know um (laughs) Uh, so I I did some speculative booking at the very beginning. I haven't even looked at it. Um, right now, I've got a couple of trips on the calendar before Macau. So um, hotels are never really an issue as long as the airfare is in place. Yeah. So I, I know I have rooms. I know I'm covered. If I need to switch things around, I'm, I'm probably not even going to... Uh, give hotels really that much of a thought until the beginning of March. Gotcha. Well, that's right around the corner, so it won't be too long. Yeah. Um, you're, very cool. You're set, right, Hunter? I mean, you... Well, I've been set for yeah. a while. Yeah, so, um, yes, I, I simplified things a little bit when I changed my plan up uh, for to add my wife to the itinerary. But, yeah, um, we're doing uh, two nights uh, win on the peninsula, and then... Two nights at Wynn Palace, and then staying at uh, at Morpheus as well. So looking forward to that, uh, especially because it just sounds like it's such a cool, cool building. So I'm looking forward to all that stuff. And you're not obsessively looking, trying to rebook to get a better price? <laughs> I have not. Um, I got what I think are pretty good prices when I, I, I did that a little bit before I booked anything. Yeah. Um, and I think I got reasonable prices, except for Morpheus, which is super expensive. And I haven't checked again to see if it's gotten any better or worse, I guess. I haven't checked. I have a feeling we should probably check uh, one more time okay. after the win earnings. Good point. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, it is interesting to see since um, it looks like 
there may be some you know financial headwinds coming for some of these folks if they do any last minute price adjusting. So I should I should probably check again. Um, I guess the final question for today, um, and I guess maybe Hans, it's mostly for you though. Eric, Eric if you have thoughts on this, uh, of course I welcome them, but there's some future stuff coming to Macau, stuff that will not be open when we're there. Um, I'm sort of wondering which of these projects, I'll rattle them off here, um, which of these projects are maybe the most interesting to you and maybe if there's something that you wish that you could have postponed your trip or something to see. Um, so for those keeping track at home, uh, there are two more phases coming to Galaxy, which is amazing because it's already huge and it's going to get incredibly huge. Um, we've talked about on the show earlier about the expansion of uh, Wind Palace. They're going to add some a sweet tower and some other interesting stuff. Um, Las Vegas Sands has announced plans to convert Sands Cote Central into what they will call the Londoner. So uh, expanding their uh, European-centric universe there. And then um, SJM, the Grand Lisboa Palace, which we also referenced earlier, which is sort of next to Wind Palace, their first entry on Kotai. So as far as that stuff goes, any of those that you're super interested in? Are you bummed that we're not going to be seeing any of those in person? Uh, well, not really, because I, I think I'm, I just am developing a relationship with Macau that I'm probably going to keep going back, uh, maybe every once a year, maybe t- maybe once every other year. Uh so I'll get to see these things. I'm I'm pretty confident about that. If I had to, if like I had only one trip left and I had to save it up, I'd I'd be very curious actually about the the Galaxy Macau uh, phases three and four. I th- I think that's going to be really interesting. I mean, it is already such a gargantuan place, but uh, uh, I kind of really dig what they do over there, and and it's it's so different than anything we have in the United States that um, I I just really enjoyed it and. And I'm curious as to how they'll build that out further. And last time I was there, they were like feverishly building. You know, you saw the the trucks moving and cranes moving and everything. So um, that that's the one I'm kind of most curious about. Of course, I mean, I'm curious about wind too. But you know, um, it's probably going to be a, a cost prohibitive suite. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Eric, any of these things excite you at all? Actually, yeah. Okay. So, so as you were going down the list, I was thinking to myself, huh, I'm probably not going to have a whole lot to add here. Um, the Londoner. I love uh, themed properties, and London is one of my favorite cities. And, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what that looks like. Um, I, I really hope this trip is such that I'll go back to see it. Yeah. They haven't, as far as I know, um, even today on today's call, they haven't talked much about exactly how they are going to make this a reality. Um, I know they've talked about how much money they're going to spend and the schedule, and I know they've also talked about that they're really going to, I think, slow roll it a bit to try and reduce the disruption. They don't want to take the whole property offline for massive amounts of time, so I think they're going to try and you know, do bits and pieces as much as they can to try and not be super disruptive. Um, sure. it'll be interesting to see, uh, for sure. I, I agree. London is amazing. So if they can do a, a good recreation, uh, it will be fun. I think for me, um, so you mentioned, you know, galaxy galaxy, I think is the most interesting operator that I didn't know anything about before I went to Macau. Um, I was super impressed by the galaxy mega resort, the whole complex, um, there it's really cool. I think if they had a Vegas presence, they would kill it they would just do super well uh because they seem to really know what they're doing and it was a super nice place 
Um, so I think uh, I would love to see what that place looks like all put together because it's already massive and to expand it by what 4,500 more rooms. I mean, that's massive, massive. So uh, that would be super interesting. Um, when I'm, I'm interested in anything that Wynn does. And uh, so, you know, of course that's interesting though, as you said, it sounds like they're going for the super high end with this edition. So I doubt it would be a place I could, uh, I would end up staying in necessarily. Uh, but it sounds like uh, they're going to do some interesting stuff based on the little bit of info they shared. Um, the Grand Lisboa Palace, though, I think is maybe the one I'm disappointed about the most just because it's close to opening and we're going to miss it uh, on this trip. And so, um, you know, it's a, I don't know if I would necessarily want to stay there because I sort of found the SJM stuff I would visited to be just a bit weird, <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, term. That's a very kind way of putting it. Yeah, but um, this just sounds like an interesting project. I mean, it's, you know, they're bringing in, the, was it the Versace Hotel? Yeah, Carl like, Lagerfeld. You know, Lagerfeld yeah. Hotel. Yeah, I mean, they're doing these interesting branding projects. It just sounds like it could be this weird disaster or super interesting, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I looked at some of the interiors they, they sh- they've shared, you know, not that many, and, and they look kind of awful, actually. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a designer, so, you know. So we're going to miss that one. I think they're just trying to open by the end of the year. They've been delayed a bit. Uh, it was, I think, supposed to be already. Yeah, they, by they've now, pushed but... that back a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see the the state of construction of these various things when we're there to see how far along some of these projects are. For sure. All right. Cool. Uh, unless anybody has anything else that they would like to add, we can uh, we can cut it off there. So. Um, thanks everybody for listening and thanks again to Dr. Dave for participating today. Super fun. And, uh, we will be back soon. See you. Say goodbye guys. See ya. Take care everybody.